Matthew chapter 6, down in verse 9. Let's stand in the honor of reading the word of our God. Jesus instructing us in how to pray tells us this. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you might be seated. All right, so again, we're walking uh, through the Lord's Prayer and this doxology in particular uh, attached to the end of it. We've, we've looked at how the, the common themes of this, thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever, that the common themes of kingdom and power and glory were often found in Scripture and often attached to these doxologies, these words of praise, these words of Glory, and uh, we saw how each one of these things, uh, kingdom, power, uh, and glory, are important, uh, specifically both for the purpose of why we pray. We are praying this, we're asking these things because of God's kingdom, power, and glory, but also the confidence in our prayers. We know that God can answer these requests because His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And like we saw last week, those aren't just uh, you know, tangential or temporary things that God has the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. These are things that are true forever. From everlasting to everlasting, God has had the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So we can always have confidence that God's going to be able to answer our prayers, and we can always know that we should be driven to pray because of that kingdom, power, and glory. But we've got one last word that's very important to every prayer ever said, right? We've got one last word right here at the end, a word we often say in our own prayers, amen. All right, so, you know, we're we're atomizing more and more. Now we're at a sermon over one word, right? This is the epitome of being a Reformed Baptist expositor of Scripture, right? An entire sermons over, and I say sermons because it can be more, one more, more than one sermon, but uh, amen. So let's, let's talk about amen because this is a very important word, both in this verse, right? It, it, is, a, it is a part of the Scriptures, so we don't want to just ignore it. We don't want to treat amen like it's no big deal, but it's also a very important word for for us as God's people. It's actually, I would say, probably one of the most important words, uh, not just for God's people, but for the whole of human history. I, I mean, I would argue that amen is the most universal word in Christendom, the most universal word from Genesis to Revelation uh, amongst all Christians in all cultures and through all times. And more than that, I would actually argue that it is perhaps the most important, most universal word in human history as a whole because this specific word, amen, has been used by God's people since the beginning and is still used. That word, amen, is still used by God's people across time and cultures. It is still a word uh, used today. Uh, by Christians, no matter where you are or when you are. And so you might hear amen sprinkled throughout the Christian life in various ways. We'll hear amen as a normal part of our sort of liturgy. Some uh, liturgy, someone might say um, amen. I, I did this earlier. Someone might say amen when, a, when, a, when they hear something they think is true and really good. You know, they might say amen. 
Uh, amen is also, you know, uh, might be when someone, like when a pastor makes a point uh, and it's during the service and someone's like, you know, uh, we want to we we say, oh, I really like that. You might say amen uh, to that. But amen is most familiar to us where we see it here. Most familiar to us in the area of prayer where amen serves one particular distinct focus uh, and that is amen is the universal Christian signal that the prayer is over, right? That's what, that's what amen, and amen, amen is the cue for all of us that we can now unbow our heads, right? And, and open our eyes. Amen is what tells us. In fact, we've become so familiar with that being amen's job that amen is sort of like the cut uh, of the movie director, that amen is the cut of the, of the prayer. We've gotten so used to that, that if ever anyone ends their prayer without saying amen, we don't know what to do. You know, we don't know if this just means the prayer is still going. Uh, and are we still before the throne? And there's this awkward uh, sort of, we'll just kind of, we'll just kind of peek uh, and look like, it, it, are, the, are they done? Can I, can I open my eyes now? And it's funny, even, even if we can't hear a word of someone's prayer, even if we have no idea what they just said, it's Mr. Jackson up here with no microphone, uh, and we're all just, we're all, what are we all just, we're all just listening for that one clue that the person has, has finished. And we will hear it, we'll hear amen, and even though we've heard nothing else, we will say what? Amen. Uh, having no idea what he just said, but we know him saying amen means I'm done and we are saying yes, you are done. Uh, that's, that's kind of what amen has meant uh, for the Christian. But the, the sad reality is, uh, even though we often use that word, uh, we use it without really knowing what amen even means. We don't know what word we're constantly repeating at the end of our prayers. It I mean, it could be the Hebrew version of gotcha, uh, for all we know. We don't know. We just know someone else said it when we were praying and told us, when you're done, this is what you say. We don't know what it means. We don't really know why we do it at the end of, uh, of our prayers. You know, why do we say amen? We've used a, we've used a word for our entire life, uh, uh, Christian life, even, even pre-Christian life, uh, maybe, um, not knowing what the word means. And even if we think we know what it means, we don't know why we put it uh, at the end of our prayers, why it's there. Uh, so again, we've got a word that we don't understand. And I mean, we can, we can make fun of, of Catholics all day long for their hocus pocus, uh, and we should. Uh, but amen can be for Christians our own sort of hocus pocus, a word we throw on at the end of our prayers that we got no idea uh, what it means. We don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why I'm saying amen at the end of this. I don't know what this word means, but I just know I'm supposed to do it, right? Uh, and so we've got, I mean, here we've got a word the Lord is using, uh, a word we, we or, or just a word we all use in general. So we need to, to learn what amen means if we're going to keep using it. Uh, and we need to know why it is that we, that amen is at the end of this, you know, long list uh, of prayer requests uh, here. So let's, let's remedy that today, or at least remedy it uh, somewhat today. 
by talking about amen and its use biblically and historically and why we do it, what it is, and, and why it has become attached to the end of prayers. And I want to start out with this interesting uh, truth. Uh, other than here, in this doxology, we don't have any prayers in the Bible that end with amen. You're not going to find any prayers in the Bible that you read, and at the end of it, they say, amen. Any prayers where the person does that, nor do you have God ever telling us to end a prayer with amen, and other than here in, in, this, in this Lord's Prayer. And if you're, if you're, you use a Bible translation that doesn't even have the doxology, doesn't have, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, then you've got, you've got no prayer. Uh, where amen is at the end of it. There, there are no detailed prayers in the Bible where the person praying at the ends uh, of their prayer uh, says amen. Now, I think that's, actually, think that's also interesting because I think it shows us, so having the amen at the end of all our, our prayers, the, the universality of that prayer and that, that custom, I think shows us that this doxology has had a lasting effect on Christian prayer. So, Uh, You know, when we were talking about should this be in the text or not, I think the fact that everyone ends their prayers with amen, and this is the only prayer in the Bible that ends with amen, at least shows the lasting effect that this doxology has had uh, on on Christendom. But so let's talk about if you don't have it in if we don't have it in in prayers, God doesn't uh, tell us that. What what does amen mean, and and when do we use it? Let's let's first talk about what does amen mean. What when we say amen, what are we saying? Uh, amen is actually just a Hebrew word. You are just saying a Hebrew word. Amen is a Hebrew word. It's not translated at all. Uh, the Hebrew word, the way you say the Hebrew is amen. It's, it's just the word. Uh, it's just transliterated. They decide not to, not to define it. The word comes from a Hebrew word that means that, that something is true or right or uh, is a trustworthy thing, or is a faithful saying. It's got something to do around something you can believe. That's a believable statement. That's a true statement. It, it, it revol- the amen revolves around the idea of truth, correctness, rightness, justness, faithfulness, goodness. Uh, for example, the first time we find the word for amen used, not the first time someone says amen, but the first time this word amen is used is actually talking about Abraham and his faith. Uh, And it's a passage we've quoted a lot, and we quote a lot. We probably don't even know that amen is in there. Uh, But in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And he, Abraham, believed God, and he counted it to him as righteous. Now, the word there, believe, is the word for amen. And Abraham amened the Lord. He believed the Lord. What the Lord said is right. He believed that what the Lord said was right, that it was correct. He had faith in it. And so amen is, is tied to this idea of, of faithfulness. God's faithfulness is actually called his amen. So in Genesis 24, 27, it says, and and said, blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. God has not forsaken his steadfast love or his faithfulness or his amen. Uh, this root for amen is, is, is right there. It's that that same, that same word. Uh, amen also means that something is true. Now it was, uh, divine sovereignty that we read this, but the passage that Bob read, uh, in Psalm 119, the Lord's word, the Bible is called the word of truth. 
the word of amen. So uh, in that verse 43, when it said, take not the word of truth, it's the word of amen. Don't take the word of amen utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rule. So amen, the, the word amen and the root for it and where it comes from has this idea uh, that something is true or trustworthy, that it is right, it is good, it is a faithful saying, which is a, a Christian phrase we'll sometimes think of. Um, it is a word wrapped in the goodness of something. That th- there's something good uh, in this. So, uh, amen, in the Hebrew, that's what that word is. This is good, this is right. Now, in the New Testament, uh, we get the word amen as well. Uh, the word in the Greek is, well, still the same word. It's still the word amen. It's, they use the, the Hebrew word just spelled with Greek letters. So when you see the word amen in the New Testament, the Greek word for that is just amen. It carry, and it carries the same uh, essential meaning and purpose. It is used when they're wanting to say that something is true or right uh, or should be done. So it's interesting to see the how the church saw the value of that word, amen. That of all the words that changed from Hebrew to Greek, and they're all over the place, even liturgical, even cultic words for, of worship words, they would change. I mean, think of like sanctification. and I mean, th- these words all, holiness changed. Like all of these words, they had, their, they had their Hebrew word, then they had their Greek word, and they were sometimes very different. They didn't do that, and the Lord didn't do that with the word, amen. It stayed the same. So even though the early church moved from Hebrew to, 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 to Greek, one word was universally kept, and it was the word amen. And I think the, the New Testament, keeping that Jewish word amen, of, of all the words that they didn't keep, keeping that word is not accidental. But it is because that word was such an important part of the Christian's worship liturgy. So amen is a Hebrew word kept by the church that means that something is right or true or good or trustworthy. So when you say amen, that's what that word means, that something is right or true or good or trustworthy, which then leads us to the next question. So when do you use it? Right? If it means that something is right or true or, or trustworthy, when, did, when in the Bible do we see people using that word so that it would end up becoming something uh, that, that we end up using? How is it a part? If it was such an essential part of their liturgy, how is it a part uh, of their liturgy? And I'm not talking about just the, the word amen, but, but, the, but the proclamation of amen, right? Of that saying, of amen, of responding with amen, when did that get started? And what was it used for? When did God's people start saying, not various forms of amen and emet and all that, like Abraham emetted God and, you know, the word of like, but actually proclaiming amen, just one word. When did we start saying amen and why? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about when God's people started using amen or when they used it and and why. The first thing I want us to see is that amen was used in the Bible as a sign of agreement that God should indeed do something. So you would say amen to something you thought that God would do. And and it, it, it happened in a few different places that people would do this where someone would say something 
Uh, it might be something that they wish God would do. It might be a want. Uh, and, and the people there, after hearing that, would respond to that with, amen. Yes, God should do that. You know, let it be. Do that. That is a good thing for God to do. Uh, now, one of the surprising places that you see this is found in curses, right? It's found in curses. Now, let's look at curses like we're all excited to do. And let's look at curses. And all God's people said, I don't know about that. Uh, but let's, let's look at, at curses to see how amen, because this is the, the first way that you're going to find amen. People saying amen in the Bible is going to be tied to these curses. So if you start, you know, you just do like a, a random concordance search, which, again, sometimes I don't recommend, but you start doing it and, and you're going to look for the word amen, you're going to find it in some really weird spots at first because you're going to find it here attached to these, these curses. Uh, so let's see, when we look, how is amen used in that and what it meant in that, in that context? Now, I said it's used a lot in curses, especially at the beginning. About one quarter of all the amens in the Bible are going to be found uh, in curses. And, and actually, one quarter of, of all the amens in the Bible are found in Deuteronomy 27. Just in one chapter. So Deuteronomy 27, uh, and it is that chapter of the declaring of curses there in Deuteronomy. You stand on one mountain uh, and you give blessing. You stand on the other mountain and you give curses. This is on Curse Mountain, right? And from Curse Mountain, God lays out these curses and the people respond with, for the first time really in Scripture, you get the people responding with, Amen. Amen. Uh, and again, this is where we start seeing groups do this. We, we, we talked about, you know, uh, about group prayer. Well, this is the first time you're going to see group prayer where, uh, where you have the group responding to someone's, to someone's prayer with this amen. So in Deuteronomy 27, you go down to verse 15, 15 through 26. Listen to these statements, and I'll read them all just to get the, because I want us to see the repetitive nature of it. Beginning in verse 15, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination of the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife because he's uncovered his father's nakedness, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies uh, in his, with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm to the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. So that, that's one quarter of all the amens in the Bible right there. Tied to this, uh, this saying, and it is people agreeing to what God has said is going to take place, that this is the right and just thing to do. So in other words, God's laying out this judgment, and the people are supposed to respond with, yeah, that's right. That's good. That's just. That's what God should do. So saying you're, a, you're in agreement with what God 
is, is doing or what he said he would do. It's almost, in this case, it's almost like they're saying, yeah, we understand and we know that that is right. Curse be anyone who does this. And the people go, yeah, that's right. Amen. Amen. That should happen, God. You, you would be right. That, that is what should take place. But it wasn't just negative things that gave uh, our affirmation through amen, or that groups responded with amen. It was also positive things. Things that you want, I mean, curses you don't want to have happen, but you're recognizing that they're right. Yes, God, you should do that. It was also times where people are bringing requests of what they want God to do. Good things. And the response to that would be, this is what I want. And the group would respond with amen. Yeah, that's a good thing. I want God to do that. So for example, uh, 1 Kings chapter 1. So we would do this in negative with the curses, but also in, in positive things, things we just want to see happen. Now, King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to, Gib- uh, to Gihon. And let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place. I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my king, of the king, say so. So David says, I'm going to make Solomon king. He's going to rule over Judah. And Benaniah says, amen. Let let that happen. Let God do that. So here you've got David saying, this is what I want to happen. This is what I'm seeking. And Benaniah comes and says, amen. That's right. That's good. That's what I want. We see the same thing in Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. Listen to my voice and do all that I command you, so that you shall be my people, And I'll be your God, that I may confirm the oath that I swore to your fathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey as at uh, this day. Then I answered, so be it, Lord. Now, here for some reason, the ESV translator, if you're in the ESV, the ESV translator of Jeremiah decided to translate the word amen uh, and and take the choice away from you to recognize that the word amen is there. And you know... I don't, I don't love that. Uh, but it does show, it does help to show that this was the normal meaning. What you said is a good thing, let it be done. So the Lord's talking to Jeremiah here. He says to Jeremiah, remind them of the covenant. And remind them of what happens if you don't keep it. Remind them of Deuteronomy 27. And Jeremiah responds with, the ESV says, so be it, Lord. But in the Hebrew, he just responds with, amen, Yahweh. Just two words, amen, Yahweh. Uh, Scratch out, so be it, Lord, in your ears, and write amen. Uh, that's what he responds with. He just says, amen, Lord. Amen, Yahweh. So, so this, is, this is what needs to happen. You tell them this, and I'm gonna, I'm, you do this, and I will do what I swore to your fathers. I will take care of them. And Jeremiah says, yes, Lord, do that. Amen, Lord. Amen. We see uh, the same, uh, similar use of amen in Jeremiah 28. Jeremiah 28, you have the the prophet Hananiah. You have to air quote that sometimes. The prophet Hananiah, he he comes in and, you know, he's got good news. He's one of the prophets always telling good news. He says, hey, God's going to return the people to the land and he's going to cast off Babylon. This is Jeremiah 28. You get down to verse 6. 
The, after hearing that, you know, and I say, hey, this is what God's going to do. Jeremiah, the prophet says, amen, may the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you've prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon, the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Amen. Lord, do this. Now, the Lord did not do this. Hananiah was a false prophet in this. But Jeremiah wanted God to. Hey, the Lord's going to do this. He's going to return the people. And Jeremiah's like, amen. You know, the Hananiah's coming. The Lord has told me this. And, and, and Jeremiah doesn't buy in all the ways. like, amen. Let the Lord do what you just told me he was going to do. Uh, and the Lord doesn't. But, but Jeremiah wanted that to happen. Yes, let God do that. Now, this use of amen is, I think, how we tend to think of amen when we use it in our prayers. This is, this is, this is why in our prayers we would say amen at the end of them. The idea, if we're trying to use amen biblically and not just using it again, like some sort of Baptist version of, our, of hocus pocus, some sort of uh, just thing that we say, we use it when someone asks God to do something. We have heard that per- what that person is asking of God. So we're praying, right? We're asking God to do something. That person has asked God to do something. They are done asking. We are joining with them by saying, amen, yes, we want that to happen. We, so it's not just us saying, yes, the prayer is over. When we say amen at the end of someone asking God to do something, it is our group joining before the throne and saying, yes, we all want you to do that. Yes, Lord, that is what we ask you to do. I know Zach might have been the one asking. I know Bob might have been the one asking. But Lord, we are all in agreement. So at the end of that prayer, when we said amen, biblically, that's typically why you would say amen, would be to say what was just asked, we're all asking of you, God. So that we all don't have to say, and this is, this is why, you know, I, I, we talk about this when we talk about group prayers and how we do the circle prayer. And I was like, that's not biblical. We should get away from it. Uh, but you do the circle prayer and people, they all pray for the same thing, you know, and someone's like, should I pray for it again? Cause it's important. And I go, look, that's what amen was meant to do. Amen. At the end of your prayers is all of us going, yeah, that, and it's biblical. It's right. God doesn't say, well, if you really meant it, you'd all pray. He says at the end of it, just say amen. And by saying amen, we're all before, I mean, we're not all sitting in the same room. We're all before the throne of God. And we have a representative speaking to the Lord God on our behalf, asking this of the Lord. And when we, so we're all there, bowed, humble, before the feet of the Lord God. And they, they, our spokesmen, are speaking to him for us. And when they are done asking, we all say, amen. And it is as if our group before the throne has said, yes, Lord, we all ask for you to do that. That's the picture found in amen in these places. Amen at the end of our prayers that, that is, is typically marking our agreement with everything that person has said. Uh, again, there before the throne, we're all saying, yes, amen, Lord. That is what we want you uh, to do. So amen, I mean, when we use amen, amen is not a word for us. Amen, is that's how we use it. Amen, oh, he's done. Amen, you're done. Amen is not a word for us. Amen is a word that we're saying to God. Amen is is our recognition. Lord, we're all before you right now and we're saying, yes, Lord, and then we're leaving your presence. So this is the way, this is the way the phrase amen first appears in the Bible as a way of saying, yes, Lord, do that thing. Yes, Lord, that's right, please do it. And so that's how it gets attached to the end of prayers. People saying, you know, uh, this, is, this is what I'm asking God to do. And then the people respond with, yes, yes, do that. 
Amen, Lord. Amen. But that's not the only way that amen is used in the Bible. That's the only time it's there. Amen was used as a sign of agreement that something said was right or true. Not just something that you wanted to have happen, but something that is just true already. Already true and good and great and you like it. So, for example, we see this in the way Jesus primarily uses the word amen. We see that saying that something is true or right. Uh, we, the, way, the way we see it is when he would make these, these truth in the statements, when Jesus uses amen in the New Testament, he uses it a lot, uh, but he doesn't use it a lot in prayer. Uh, uh, the old, the, the old King, King James used to do this, uh, but we see it every time Jesus says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily. It's just the word amen, amen. Amen, amen, I say to you. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. And I would again, if I were translating the Bible, which is coming out shortly, uh, I would just translate it, amen, amen, because I don't like to take the choices from the readers. Uh, So I would just say, amen, amen, because that's what he's saying, amen, amen. And and it's interesting. I think it is interesting when people do translations, uh, like the ESV, when amen is at the front of a sentence, they translate it as truly or verily. But when Jesus uses it at the end of a sentence, they, they they keep amen. Uh, so it's like, uh, it's interesting. So when something was true, the right response was amen. Or this is true. Amen, amen to what I'm about to say. True, true to what I'm, what I'm about to say is amen and amen. This is really true, what I'm about to say. Now, this isn't, uh, so, so if someone said something true, that's what you would respond with, is with amen. That is true. Not I want that to be true. It is. Or that's a good statement. That's good. Amen to that. Verily, verily to that. But this isn't just how amen is used on earth. This is actually one of the ways that Jesus shows on earth as it is in heaven. Because this is actually what is happening in the heavenlies as well. This responsive amen, where amen is spoken to declare that that, that a statement is right and true and good, is actually how amen is being used right now in the heavenlies. So Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12. And I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and all the elders, four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne, worshiped God, saying, Amen! Amen! Blessed! Uh, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So you've got this proclamation of truth where it says salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. And what is the group response to that truth? The group responds with amen. And then they bless God and they say amen again to the blessing. But, but the response to salvation belongs to the Lord our God and to the Lamb, how do you respond to that? Amen. That is true. That is right. And so you've got the angels, you've got the elders, you've got the living creatures, all of them in heaven, responding to this true statement of God uh, with amen. Now, this would probably be, for us, uh, the, the prime example we see in the Bible uh, of people saying amen to, to statements of truth. So, you know, why when, why when someone says something true, Why do people start saying amen to that? Because it's not the end of a prayer, and yet you're saying amen, which we say at the end of prayers. Why are you saying it here? 
And the reason is because of things like this. The, the, the church would use this word to say, yes, that is true. Yes, that is right. And you're, we're just continuing that down that line of Christendom. We don't even know why we do it, right? This is something we all grew up learning was attached to the end of prayers. And yet we hear people saying, amen, amen, to things that are said that are good and right, be they during preaching or, or during just conversation or someone brings up something, you go, man, amen to that. Amen to that. The reason is because this is, that's what you do when someone says something right and true and good. You heard a statement that was true. You would respond to that statement. Were you a Hebrew Christian or a Greek Christian? You would respond to that statement with, Amen. That is true. That, it'd be like our version of saying, That is so good. So let me encourage you. Instead of saying, That is so good. Or if you're me, instead of going, Mmm. Right? That's what I do. Mmm. Uh, uh, which is also a Hebrew word. No, uh, it's just a random guttural thing. Uh, it would be actually more in line with the history of Christendom to say amen to that uh, because that's what the word, you know, amen does. That's, what, that's what's, you know, taking place in the, the heavenlies and the example that we see. So just, just looking at those two examples because we, amen was a, was a sign of agreement from a, so, so what was amen used for? Amen was a, a sign of agreement from a, a person or group uh, that this was something they wanted God to do. All right, so we want God to do this. God, please do this. And everybody says, amen. We all want God to do that. Or it's a sign of agreement from a, an individual or a group response to something being good or right or true. So instead of an ask, we've asked this and we say, amen, that's what we want. This would be, that statement is true. It is true now and we like it. Amen. That is true. That is a true statement. Uh, That matches up with the word of amen. That matches up with the word of truth. uh, That uh, right there. Which again is for us. Those are the typical ways we, I think, hear amen. I mean, if you've heard amen, it's probably been in one of those two ways. It's probably been in response to prayer. Someone gets done praying and everybody says amen. Again, the, the reason is how that got started and then kept was that was the way all of us uh, would, would be saying, yeah, God, please do that. What was just asked of you, God, we're all in agreement with. Or in response to the things we like to hear, amen, amen, that's right, amen to that. So those two typical ways that we heard are actually things that we find very much in the scripture. We just didn't know where they came from. We may not have known why we were using them, but this is where, you know, it's our Christian genetics sort of playing through us. Uh, this is the value of things like liturgy uh, in that you end up doing things. You don't know why you do it, but if you go to the Bible, you can find out why. Uh, and you don't have to go, oh, I need to deconstruct my amening. Uh, you can just go, oh, that's why we do it. That's really neat. Uh, and, and I'll keep doing it uh, uh, for that reason. So we've got these two really most common uses we and we, we, know, we, you know, we know now why we use them. Uh, we know that they are right to use them that way. Now, next week, next week, we're going to see that those two reasons are more common reasons, uh, aren't even the most common ways that amen is used in the Bible, right? One quarter is not more than 50%. They're not the most common ways that amen is used in the Bible, nor are they even the most important reasons to say amen in the Bible. But that's next week, so may you not die. And you can say to that, amen. Uh, because it's going to be really good next week. And when I say that, it's just, 
It really is. Not, the preaching may not be good, but the texts are going to be great. Uh, so what do we do with this? Let's talk about uses. Let's talk about, okay, this is what we see in Scripture. What can we do and how can we uh, uh, change our lives? Or how do we actually respond? All the Lord has spoken, we will do. So what do we do? The, the first thing, use, use amen in your life. Use amen to unite as a body and with the body in calling God to act. In calling God to act. It, it is good and right and biblical for us to have amen at the end of our prayers, especially our group prayers. Uh, amen at the end of our requests. It, it is the group saying, yes, Lord, we are all praying together. We are all in agreement. This person has led us before the throne and therefore let our words be few. And that guy has said them and we're all saying Amen. We are recognizing, yes, Lord, we all want you to do that. Now, let that, let that be a warning to you. Uh, make sure that you don't just, you know, this is the, if you can't hear someone praying, now, we tr- like, Mr. Jackson has prayed enough that if you couldn't hear him praying up there, you know he hasn't turned heretic in the 5,000th prayer, right? He wasn't waiting. He's like, I don't think anybody can hear this, and I'm going I'm to get them all to say amen to it. Uh, but you do need to be careful when you say amen to a prayer. That is your agreement with it. So if if you're with someone and they're praying things that are not godly or not good and they're asking God to do things they should not ask God to do, one of the ways you protest that is by by saying, I am not amening that. I am not in agreement with that. I'm not asking God uh, to do that. Now, again, that will not happen in any of our our prayers here, uh, or at least it better not happen. but that it's a it's a using amen as a group is a is a powerful thing. It's an example we see in scripture of God's people coming together and saying, "Yes, Lord, we are asking you. We're asking you to do this." So the next time you say amen, recognize what you're saying. Next time we say amen at the end of our prayers, recognize what we're saying whether it's us praying as a family. This is our family coming before the throne and we're all saying amen. So so children, children, my children, my children, my children, there they are. Uh, when, when it's like, wait, really us? Uh, when, when the family is saying amen at the end of your prayers, right? Recognize the, that you are, by you saying amen, you're saying yes to everything that, that Papa just said or yes to everything that Mama just said. You, there's a group, a family unity in the word amen. It's not just all of us going, hey, all right, we know we're done. It's our family was just before the throne of God. And we, you saying amen is recognizing, yes, God, he just told you, I also am telling you that. Amen is not for the people around you. Amen is for the Lord to hear. Lord, I agree with what was just asked. Uh, and man, this is, this, is, this is another reason to rejoice in big families. I mean, to, to have multiple people, when you pray, to have multiple people saying, yes, Lord, do that. This is why if you're going to pray, ask the ockers or the silks to pray it. Because uh, you're going to have you're going to have a bunch of amens. You're going to have a bunch of people saying, yes, Lord, do that. Uh, before the throne, a bunch of arrows going out. Uh, and and that's, what, that's what is going on. So there's that unity. So use amen, but use amen intentionally. Know why you're saying it. At the end of a prayer, when you say amen, you're saying, these are my people. We are coming before you, and I'm in agreement with what we have asked you. It is uniting to one another in your requests of the Lord God. So use amen, use it a lot, and remember why. Also, 
Use amen to declare your agreement. So use amen to unite as a body. Use amen to declare your agreement. Just like we saw uh, with the, uh, the angels and the, and the elders and the, and the living creatures uh, saying amen when something good was said in heaven. In the same way, when you hear something that is right and true, God's people, the reason we say amen now isn't just because some culture started doing it. It's God's people throughout history, across language and, and culture and, and time, have always heartily responded to truth with one word, amen. Amen. Something that unites us in our, that is right, right? So that we don't have someone saying, ooh, that's good. And someone saying, mm. And someone else saying, hallelujah, you know. But everyone saying there's something about that unity as well. That was something that was kept, again, through our Christian conscience to where we even do it without knowing why. And it's right for you to do the same. You hear something good and true uh, in the preaching, it is right to say amen. Because what you're saying is, I agree with that statement, and I agree that that statement is good and right, and I rejoice in that being true. Like the angels, salvation belongs to the Lord. The angels hear that and go, amen, amen. Just to that truth, if the angels who are always before the Lord can hear salvation belongs to God, and they're not like, yeah, we know, we've been here forever. Uh, And they're not just like, yeah, we've always known that. If even the angels can hear that and say, amen, what truths of Scripture can you hear and not amen? What things can you hear and not just rejoice? It is this expulsive recognition. That is so, I am so glad that that is true. Amen to that. If our, if our church services are going to indeed be echoes of the heavenlies, then there will be amens coming out of our mouths. If we really want it to be on earth as it is in heaven, well, when good and right and holy things are said about the Lord God or about His Word, it is right for God's people and God's creatures and God's creatures, be they earthly or heavenly, to respond with amen to that. But again, and not just in the context of preaching either. I don't want to say just here. Now, that, that is something that we, we do want our church services to match the heavenly, but also just in general, when you hear anything that is right and true, it is good to say amen to it. It is good to make that a part of your weird vocabulary. Weird because the only reason you would use that word is if you were a Christian. The only reason you would say amen, the only reason you wouldn't say, ooh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Someone can say that about the most damnable statements on the internet. Like you see things on the internet and people be like, uh, amen, sister, you know, and you're like, yes, don't amen that. I mean, people can say that's so good or that's so right. But what do Christians say? We say amen. That's what Christians have always said. Whether they speak Hebrew or Greek or it doesn't matter, English, we said the same thing. Amen to that. God's people have always been a people that wield the word Amen. And have been taught to do it, both consciously and subconsciously. It is a part of our being and our bone. You hear something that you want God to do? You agree with that, with asking Him to do that, and you say, Amen. You hear something good and true? Christians have always responded with, Amen. If anything, when it comes to Amen, I think, I think we need to use the word more. And, we'll, we'll have, and that's just from those reasons. We have two more reasons to really use the word more next week. But ask God, ask God today to open your eyes to understand 
why we say amen after our prayers. After asking God to do something, what that means and who that ties you to both now and throughout Christian history. And ask that God would let you hear more good things. And as you hear those good things, that amens would rise from your lips when you hear them. Let's pray. As we bow our heads, we're gonna, we are going to ask God to do uh, some things. Now, this will uh, be something we ask you to do individually right now, but ask God to do that. Ask God uh, to teach you. To teach you why we use amen and to see your connections with Christian history in this and God's people. And ask God that you would be more attentive to things that are good. That when you hear something good, you would want to be like the angels. You would want to be like the elders. You would want to be like the four living creatures. You would want on earth as it is in heaven, which means you would say amen to that good thing. There are plenty of other words in the Hebrew, plenty of other words in the Greek, plenty of other things that could be said, but God said his people say amen. May we do the same. Ask God that you would see more good truth and you would praise him for it. Father, we do come this morning as a group and and we come before your throne, Father. And the, the, the weightiness of this word. Just a, just, a, just a single word, Father, but a single word that like a thread connects us to every other Christian ever. That draws us back throughout time and culture to the word that you have put of all words in creation, the word you've put on the lips of your people. So that when I ask you, and we ask you, and when we say amen at the end of that, we're saying the same thing that our father Abraham said. We're saying the same thing that our father David said. We're using the same word that our Christ used. We're using the same word that has been on the lips of people both noted and unknown, but they were your people And be they kings or be they paupers, they all would say the same thing to you. Amen. Help us, Father, to see our union with each other. The bodiness of that word. And our union with all of your people. And help us, Father, to also see And rejoice in the good. That our ears would be attuned. And that with every truth it would pluck a cord of amen in our hearts. That we would be a people who rejoice. A people of worship. And who rejoice with the word amen on our lips. Please Father. Teach us why we do these things. Teach us what they mean. And teach us how we can do them even more. It is in the name of Christ that we ask these things. Amen.